You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 215, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of Look at My Records features an interview with New Jersey's Sweaty Lamar, the new-ish project of songwriter Tara Gian Caspro. Started at the onset of the pandemic, when she began formulating the songs that will appear on her forthcoming EP, A Little Bit Country, A Little Bit Rock and Roll. So far, she shared three excellent singles, I Have Always Been In Love With You, Mysteries, and Most. Most recently, Abby, I'm Sorry I Stole Your Man, a sequel to Dolly Parton's Jolene. During our interview, we spoke at length about how she fell into songwriting, the inspiration behind her unique stage name, and some of the deeper meetings behind her songs. She also picked some awesome records from my collection and had some great associated stories to tell, including some choice cuts from New Jersey legends Bruce Springsteen and Titus Andronicus. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right. Hey, I'm here with Tara. Hi. Better known as Sweaty Lamar. That's me. So before we talk about anything, I do want to ask you about this great name because you don't seem sweaty. You You don't resemble anyone that I've known that is named Lamar before. So tell me a little (laughs) bit about this name, Tara. Sure. Yes. So uh, I did not want to use my real name. Obviously, I put Tara on everything. I do not want to be addressed as sweaty as if it's my first name. But <laughs> I wanted I wanted some kind of divide uh, between my, my LinkedIn life and my, you know, band camp life. So I went through a bunch of different celebrity puns. And I eventually settled on Hetty Lamar, who was an actress, yeah. uh, who basically her story is m- way more interesting than mine or almost anyone's. She was like, I'm hot. I'm going to act. I'm going to make a bunch of money. And then I'm going to use that money to fund my scientific research. And her discoveries in the 40s led to the eventual invention of Wi-Fi. Oh, shit. Uh, but yeah, I said like- th- that this is happening because of her. We're talking because of her wi-fi yeah wow. in a way um <laughs> yeah i uh, i liked that too obviously i i don't think i have that impact but uh yeah i liked the confluence of who she is and i went with sweaty i mean i could have probably done petty lamar which would have been cute but uh, i went with sweaty because i thought it was funny to tap into something unexpected um it's that mix of this very high femme kind of icon classic movie starlet with something that feels a little gross and gritty which is me nice yeah kind of like a kind of like a marilyn manson thing but not really but how he combined i guess two 
two things like that, even though he's a jerk off. Suck that much. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're way better than Marilyn Manson. He's an asshole, but it kind of a similar concept. So that's pretty cool. How'd you find out about her? Because I've never learned or heard much about her before. Yeah, she's uh, she's a bit unsung for someone who, uh, you know, for someone who had a really, really strong impact. So I guess here I am singing her. Yeah, continue to sing her praises. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that I thought was really interesting about you, in addition to your great name, was that you really only started writing and recording your own songs within the last two years you really didn't yes dabble in music before that at all no i think i i think i wrote like one song in high school <laughs> uh and i didn't even play the you know yeah. i didn't even play the guitar it was literally me just writing lyrics uh and then never telling anybody about it i was the band supporter i was the one photographing the concerts i was the one like making brownies for the after parties after the shows. I was very much the band mommy. I was a talent manager in college. I managed an artist. Uh, So I was always around and I was involved in my local like DIY community in North Jersey. And then I was a very active participant in my Philly DIY community when I lived in Philly and went to Drexel. But I was not the musician myself. I was always the artistic supporter. Nice. Where are you from in North Jersey? Uh, I grew up in Hasbrook Heights. I'm ashamed to say. Uh, Not my favorite place. And uh, now I'm in Hoboken. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I'm from Verona originally. Oh, nice. I I know Verona well. A friend of mine just moved there. Oh, cool. So what made you want to start making your own music after being a fan and supporter for so long? Sure. It was it was a curse, honestly. Um, I woke up one morning very early in the pandemic, maybe week one of isolation, and I had this song. I had these lyrics come to me. And I got up and I typed them down on my phone and I sent myself an email. And the next morning I was like, what am I going to do with those lyrics I wrote? I guess maybe I'll put them into a short story or something because I... I'm primarily a a writer, like a creative writer. And I have 60,000 words of a novel uh, that I've written. And then I sung the song out loud and this like Disney, you know, Snow White, Evil Queen, villain ass curse descended upon me where it's like, oh, no, you want to sing this and you want to make music now. So all of a sudden at what, 29 years old, I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. I guess I'm going to have to take voice lessons and I guess I'm going to have to buy a guitar, which I did. I bought an $89 guitar that, uh, is, is janked by now because of how much I used it. But yeah, so I, uh, I just started teaching myself very early in the pandemic. That's really cool. Very inspiring story because I find that people that reach our age, late 20s, early 30s, sometimes you feel like yeah. it's too late to take up something and you're almost apprehensive to dive into writing your own music or do, uh, learning something new. How were you oh, able to me. overcome that? Did you feel any of that at first uh, or... 
I barely, I've barely overcome that in my life at this point. Uh, you know, very luckily, I have very talented friends around yeah. me who are the people who are doing a lot of the musical arranging for me because I'm working mostly on my voice and working on my lyrics and all of the promotion and branding and all that stuff that unfortunately you have to do these days because there's no like CBGBs to get discovered in. Um, so yeah, I... I've relied on them a lot in that way. I have great producers and collaborators around me. Uh, as for me, I just work really hard at my voice and I write a lot. And I know that those are the parts that I'm good at. So I do them. Uh, there really, there probably is something in the music realm that anyone could do. They could have a music podcast if they're not a musician themselves. They could... How, you know, they could create little playlists on Spotify. I mean, I see these days I get added to all these great playlists and someone's doing that. Someone has taste and they know how to curate it and make it something that gets hundreds of likes. And, you know, they're involved in the music community that way. So even if you don't wind up being a singer or a guitarist or a flautist, I don't know why yeah, I said flautist, but flautist, there are other ways to be involved in making and shaping music. Uh, so I do recommend that people if they feel like there's something they want to do in it, do it. Uh, I take singing lessons. I've worked with three different people who I love and would recommend heartily. Uh, I've taken guitar lessons. I've watched a lot of those YouTube videos like Andy Guitar teaches you this Buffalo Springfield song. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're free and pretty accessible ways to get involved. Uh, again, YouTube is free. They have free singing lessons, free guitar lessons, free synth lessons. There are free presets out there. You know, GarageBand should be free on your Mac. Like, there are ways to get involved. You just have to work past the courage of the blank white page. You have to just type the first word of your lyrics or strum a guitar for the first time. And I think if it's right for you, you won't be able to stop. Yeah, and it no matter what imposter syndrome totally. is doing to you. Yeah, and in addition to that, it seems like since you've been involved in the DIY community in multiple different places over the course of your, you know, last 15-ish years, probably your teenage years to, to now, uh, did you find yourself kind of having supportive friends immediately, people that you told or showed your work to that were like, keep doing that or people that you could tap into for feedback and assistance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have people even from high school, like when I started getting involved in my local community, there are people that I'm still friends with that I reached out to, uh, one of whom Matt Olson, who's a great producer, singer, everything, totally intimidating friend to have. Uh, he sent me the way of, you know, one of the voice teachers that I've worked with, uh, I have another producer, James Robinson, who I worked on uh, a lot of my first single with. Uh, again, this is someone that I reached out to who I've known since I was 15 and was like, hey, so I'm doing this now. And of course, it's funny because they're all like, either they do this professionally and some of them do, whether they produce professionally or they're touring musicians. But then a lot of the friends 
I talked to you were like, it's so funny that you're doing this, Tara, because I'm retiring now. <laughs> like my band broke up after seven years or I just had a kid or I've decided to finally go full time and be a teacher or go back to business school or whatever. So, yeah, I've had a lot of support um, as much as I've given them. No, not always. God, no. But, uh, you know. But it's 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 still a boys club, I will say. How about yeah. you mentioned that you wrote your first song, lyrics to the song, very beginning of the pandemic, a time period where I think a lot of people were lost, maybe exploring different things to keep themselves occupied. Do you think this would have happened if not for the pandemic? Do you think you would have been a musician, a songwriter? <sighs> I don't think so. I truly don't think so. I mean, it, it seems like this was just going to happen one way or the other, this path of mine, but I kind of can't picture it happening if, you know, so I was taking, uh, I was taking voice lessons during the day when I should have been working <laughs> because I was home. So I wouldn't yeah. have had the time to commit, you know, I might've, uh, it might've gone a different way where I was going out and meeting people and maybe I was doing an open yeah. mic or something like that. But the open mic path is not really the path I think I would follow anyway, because my songs have involved more complex instrumentation. I don't have a band yet. I'm, I'm working on that always. Um, yeah. So I don't know if it would have happened and if it did happen, it wouldn't have been something I would have been able to give as much time to yeah. because I wasn't sitting at home, like in my undies watching the real housewives and writing lyrics. Normally I'd be in an office in my, still in my undies, but you know, with additional clothing. clothing. So additional yeah, I, just, layers. I wouldn't have had the Layering. time to, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have had the time to sit there and, and work on these lyrics and things in the same way. It's wild how this crazy thing that's been happening the last two years has led many people on different paths. Some of them good paths, like you, for you, for instance, with becoming a singer, a songwriter. I suppose. I suppose. Again, I always say it's a curse. I'm like, yeah, but now I'll be driving down the highway and I have to pull over on the highway because a whole song just came to me. So it's a curse. It interrupts my life at all times. It's definitely going to get me in trouble one of these days because I'm going to say something in my lyrics that someone took umbrage with. So uh, it's it's a curse as much as it's a gift. For real. So I read you've written 40 plus songs over the last two years. So I'm just curious about yeah. what's your process like for sifting through that amount of material and deciding what to record and move forward with since you've released sure. a couple of songs at this point. Yeah. So the first few releases, uh, in their original States came to me pretty easily. I wrote a 12 track album, um, about my experiences living in Philly when I went to yeah. college there. Uh, and Philly was kind of made into this bad boyfriend that I couldn't help but go back to, uh, time and time again. And, those came together pretty easily. Like, because I've written most of a novel at this point, developing a concept album with a free-flowing narrative, I guess, was simple for me. It's weird to say because, oh, you wrote 12 songs. That doesn't seem simple. But it 
it kind of did. And like one of them, I wrote a second draft of in seven minutes. I was like, I don't know if I like the story in this one. And, uh, one of my best friends was like, so just rewrite it. And I did in seven minutes. And that's the version that I was going to use. Um, but other songs like, now it, I found that it's more difficult for me where I'm looking to what I'm going to put out after my EP and I sit there and I look at my master doc of lyrics and I think, okay, I could go the Susie Quattro like glam rock vibe that I have these songs for, or I could do more of these like sad bitch anthems that I've written and released already, and I don't know where to go. So now I'm finding uh, that difficulty in putting things together. When I was approached by my new producers that I'm working on my EP with, uh, we had a meeting, and I said I have like 50 songs at this point that are just lyrics in a Google Doc, and they said, okay, you have to pick one. And I had that moment where I went, um, okay, they're based in Nashville. Screw it. I'm doing the Jolene sequel that I wrote. And I gave it to them and they were like, okay, this is great. And then I luckily, because I write so many songs and I'm very, I'm very much against confining myself to one genre or one soundscape. You know, I, I will write anything that comes to my mind, regardless of the genre. I had five songs that had a sort of country feeling and I said, well, shit, I guess that's what I'm going to do. It was nice to do something fun after the album I had scrapped, which was very angsty and very dramatic. Two two questions, because I read about the yeah. Billy album that you scrapped, and I'm kind of interested to hear why sure. you decided to scrap that, because it did sound <laughs> like a really cool concept. And I know the single you released, I Have Always Been In Love With You, that was originally planned as the closing track to that concept. Yes, that would have been the last track. Yeah, I will um I will go back to it, I think at yeah. some point probably with some songs removed and some new stories added. But long story short, the album became as dysfunctional to make as the relationship that inspired it. And I think it was much healthier for me to say no, you know what? These songs have taken far too long to get made. Uh I I need a tighter process to get these written. I need a tighter process to get these recorded and mixed and ready and out there. Uh, and I just decided to step away from that album. And it was it was a hard thing until the second I told, like I posted it on a close friend's Instagram story, you know, so I didn't announce it to yeah. everybody. Uh, and the second I did that, I was like, oh, yeah, I made the right decision. Uh, and then I gave myself a little bit of time off uh, last summer, which was a very difficult summer. And, uh, and then I stepped back into things in September with the new EP. I had already recorded. I've always been in love with you. And I said, well, I'm not just going to throw the song away. I love the song. It's to this day, my favorite song that I've ever written. So I said, I'll put that out as a single. People had been asking me when they were going to hear my music. And I said, okay, yeah, you know what? Let's give them something. I love this one and I'm proud of it. Uh, and then maybe someday I will be able to go back and tell those stories. Uh, and, you know, luckily for me now, I have much more experience making songs. I have much more of an experience communicating what I hear in my head to a producer. So taking on a deeply personal 12-song album should be easier a year from now. Absolutely. 
So it's like semi-scrapped, semi-shelved, that concept LP. Yeah, like there was nothing to there was nothing to burn. Yeah. There are no files to burn <laughs> here. So it's, you know, they're still in a Google Doc somewhere and I can still sing them. Uh, and we still have the chords laid down for some of them. But, you know, they just didn't get made yet. All good. So, but I was saying was you mentioned that, you know, your album or the album, the concept album you're working on, 12 deeply personal songs that's definitely reflected in the singles that you've already released mysteries very deeply personal song about loss uh i have always been in love with you another really deeply personal song were you apprehensive at all about opening up that much to the world through your music the world no so, you know, as someone who's listening to my song in Estonia, no, I'm not worried. Uh, someone who is listening to that song who is the sibling of the person that inspired it, yeah, that's what keeps me up at night. That's, that's yeah, yeah. my worry. And let's say people like that have uh, have heard it, not put together who it was about in different scenarios. And they're like, oh my God, the song is great. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, and, and I'm sitting there having heart palpitations because, you know, I'm like, oh my God, are they going to realize who this is about? Did they look at the lyrics? Did they not look at the lyrics? And if they didn't look at the lyrics, why didn't they? Is my song not that good? <laughs> you know, and then I go into a whole spiral. But yeah, I'm less worried about someone that I don't know hearing it. And I'm more worried about the people who were involved um you know i in the two songs that i've put out if there was someone personal that i drew from i did reach out to the person and either get their blessing or just kind of let them know that it's going to happen um in the case of my last song you know i didn't really have to go far to get my grandma's blessing i just kind of yeah. You know, I did actually go and play the song at the cemetery because I go and visit her a lot. Uh, and, you know, nothing. I didn't burst into flames and the rain didn't come down. So uh, I guess she liked it. But, yeah. So in that case, I'm more nervous about people I know hearing it and seeing how these songs might impact them. Uh, because some of the songs I've released are extremely literal. But others, you know, as I've graduated to, you know, as a songwriter, as I've become a stronger songwriter, uh, I am able to now explore concepts and more general scenarios, or I'm able to take my very exact emotions during a relationship or an encounter of some kind and put them into a context, you know, in my dreams, I'm doing like the murder by death. Oh, you know, it's cowboys and gunslingers. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that, but I would like to, in theory, be able to write outside of myself and just take my life experiences and infuse these into scenarios that I don't know or settings that I don't know. Yeah, so primarily you're writing from personal experience right now. You, you would say that's primarily the focus? Because I know just from seeing your Instagram, you're a fan of things that are, you know, different fictional things. Uh, do you see yourself kind of branching out and writing something that's not necessarily based on your own experience or maybe something that's, you know, just completely made up? Yeah, I would love to, uh, you know, I would love to write some kind of fictional narrative. I think you, I don't think there's any author or writer or songwriter, though, who is not taking from their own moral code. 
their own memories, their own sense of how communication works, their own speech patterns and languages. So I think that even if I were to write a story about aliens uh, who invade Earth in 1952 and become housewives and infiltrate, you know, their local communities, like, it's still good. There's still going to be something of me in that. There's still going to be something in my own experience, what it's like to be a woman, maybe what it's like to feel like an outsider or what it's like to lie. So, yeah, I would love to dive into these different environments. And I do that a bit on my EP. Like, again, I'm writing a song as Jolene. I'm not writing a song. as yeah. But the concept that I discovered in that song, which is how women are, you know, pit against each other to land one man uh, and how women are told, oh, if you get that man, you're special because he changed for you. Very often he doesn't change for you. And that's something I've seen happen in, you know, my friends' lives and stories I've heard and gossip that I've heard in other movies and things that I've seen. So I'm still taking something from my experience and I'm putting it into a situation where, no, I'm not Jolene, but I'm singing with her and I'm telling her story. But yeah, as I keep writing more and more, I will get better at that. And I will want to do that more often because I've told my stories. Tell me about what people can expect aside from the Jolene song, which is titled Abby... I'm sorry I stole your man. What else can people expect from the balance of the EP? Sure. So this EP really, and it it wasn't an intentional thing, but it wound up really falling into uh, a commentary on infidelity and monogamy. I have, you know, I have a song called Both Feet that is in the middle of the mixing process right now. And that song is, kind of a phone conversation where the guy is reaching out to this girl and he's saying, I'm with the wrong person. It should have been you. You're the one I stay up at night and think about when she's sleeping next to me. And the character that I'm singing as is saying, this used to be a compliment for me because I used to think that it made me special and it's no longer a compliment. You know, the chorus (laughs) ends with, you made her bed go lie in it. Like as in, you know, you made your bed, go lie in it. You made her bed, go lie in it. This is what you chose. This is who you chose. So that's something where the, you know, characters have graduated from entering infidelity situations. Uh, I have a song about a guy who leaves a, you know, a very long-term relationship for something that might be a flash in the pan. That's called brass ring. So it's, you know, baby, there was a band of gold you tossed aside to grab the brass ring. Like, you know, you, you pull at a, at a carnival or a, you know, in the middle of a carousel. So, you know, they're just different concepts. Some of them have, uh, some of them have the protagonist as sort of the, the flawed person. And some of them are, you know, the protagonist is this put-upon person who's dealing with being cheated on or being disrespected. But yeah, I guess for a country album, infidelity doesn't seem so out of sorts. I mean, it happens all the time. There's so many country songs about who left who for who. Uh, Gaslighter, the most recent Chicks album, is, in my opinion, a masterpiece. It is a (laughs) masterpiece of an album. And, uh, you know, that probably inspired me a bit when I was writing some of these. Yeah, the other thing I noticed that I 
was very curious about was for each of the singles you've released so far, you've also released an acoustic version of the song to go along with it. The songs in and of themselves, very intimate and personal songs, but the acoustic version kind of takes that to another level, I feel like, because it's so stripped down. So was it important for you to kind of get that even more stripped down version out there for people to listen to? And just what was your thought process behind releasing the acoustic version of each track to accompany the single? So yeah, that's not something I'm going to do every time. Uh, Definitely not. The first time I did it was because my original intent for I Have Always Been In Love With You was always that stripped down acoustic version. It is the cold light of morning. You just broke up with the love of your life. You sit on your bed and you pick up your guitar and you just process. And that was originally my intent for the song. Uh, When I started working with Jacob Lazard, my producer for the track, he wanted to bring in these synth pads because he's uh, he's in Lucy Dacus's band, and Lucy has that sound. There's a lot of room yeah. tone and ambience to her stuff, and he's very involved in curating that. So he was like, "Let's try this out," and I liked it. You know, I thought the piano in the song was beautiful. Uh, we we recorded at Headroom Studios in Philly, and they have every kind of instrument and every kind of mic you could imagine, and there was a lot to play with. But when it came down to it i still in my heart held that original version and i thought that would be the version that resonated the most uh for myself for the exact type of listener i wanted which is the moodiest bitch alive just like me (laughs) and personally for the person i wrote it about and when i sent you know when i finally sent the song to them and i said hey so that song I sent you in February, it's it's coming out. I sent them the acoustic version because it was sort of a tribute to them and the music that they made. So that's what happened for I've Always Been In Love With You. I still really go back to the acoustic version myself and because uh, that's my favorite thing that I've ever put out, the acoustic version of that song. And then for Mysteries, you know, I, I wanted to give people the same opportunity to see what made sense. I have a, a friend of mine named Amanda who will probably be listening to this and messaged me and she said, I've been forcing all my coworkers to listen to your new song and everyone who's listened on my end prefers the acoustic version. It, it just sings to them more. And I was like, oh, good, okay. But yeah, it depends. Are you like a synthy moody bitch or are you an acoustic guitar only moody bitch? And that's that's uh i guess those are the two genders the two those categories. are the two genders yeah. in those this situation yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah so i gave people the option with mysteries you know i thought it'd be fun to see what people prefer and again some people have come to me and they said they prefer the acoustic version of mysteries they really want the intimacy and they want to feel like they're in the room with me Uh, I know that I love acoustic versions of songs. I get excited when an artist releases something stripped down or something without, you know, this bigger, lush instrumentation or the reverse, where I know that Lucy Dacus did actually put out the song Thumbs, which is an incredible piece of songwriting. And then the band released Thumbs 2, which is a full band instrumental version of the song uh, to give it a much, much different experience. So I liked doing that. I probably won't do it every time. I don't have acoustic versions planned for this EP. But for these songs, these atmospheric songs, I'd be open to bringing it back in the future. And building off of that, 
As we mentioned, these are really strong songs and sound great performed solo and stripped down. But they could also really sound great with a full backing band, I'm sure. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation that you're working on getting a band together. Uh, What do you envision for your live show with the music that you're writing right now and recording? So the EP could definitely benefit from a full band. It, you know, I have songs with drums and guitar and bass, and there would be enough to have four people up on that stage doing something. For the two singles that I've already put out, you know, that's the moment where I'm sitting there with the guitar and that's just me. But again, I, after the EP comes out, I'm giving myself some time to really decide what my primary genre and sound is going to be. I very much would like to be the rock star, you know, doing the Paramore thing. Yeah. Um, but the atmospheric, it may be easier because then I don't need a band. Uh, and it may be more of what comes from my heart. I have so many of those songs written. So if I start doing shows, I'm going to want to do more of the rock full band stuff than the coffee night, you know, at your like local coffee shop and yeah i don't i don't know if that's for me i i love it for other people i've seen other people do residencies there i think that's great i don't know if i see myself doing that i've i've too many skull rings on at one time to really be <laughs> the, the coffee shop type you know you seem like a performer have you performed have you acted before done anything like that because i'm sure when you're in the live setting it's going to be good and dramatic and fun. <laughs> uh, I I acted a little as a kid, but literally just in my school productions. Yeah, uh, I did a, I did an eighth grade production of the Earth My Butt and other big round things, which is a <laughs> it's sort of a parody play. Like they have a fifties duop song called Leaf Erickson, which is all about Leaf Erickson, uh, which gets stuck in my head to this day. And I had my first moment that I really made people laugh when I did that performance uh, where I was playing the comet that killed the dinosaurs. And, you know, I was supposed to go in and yell, boom, and all the dinosaurs were supposed to drop to the ground. And I went to our uh, our director and I was like, hey, you know, me in the eighth grade l- looking like Benjamin Franklin, like round, shiny, low ponytail, the, the works. And I was like, could I do something different with this line read? And she's like, get the fuck off my stage. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and instead of doing a big boom, I just went boom with a little like, like the Donald Trump, like you fired hand gesture. Yeah. And, Cause that, that was actually a thing at the time. You know, we all, we all knew that you're fired gesture and all the dinosaurs dropped. And I got this like huge laugh. Uh, and I've been probably addicted to making dumb jokes ever since. But yeah, so I, I acted like once I've done stand up comedy once. I've done karaoke many times, and that's that's about it. And, uh, you know, I do my typical Instagram performative mess show for all of my followers uh, who, you know, who are entertained, I guess, by all of my dumb diatribes and rants and, and thoughts. And that's it. Excellent. Well, That's an exciting thing to look forward to, for sure. All right, so now we're going to hear some sweaty Lamar music. We're going to hear I Have Always Been In Love With You and Mysteries. 
what I didn't mention is that I miss losing sleep to lift my shirt with the sun as I flash you in the living room and what I didn't mention so I saved you on my screen my upgraded mausoleum Walls of words with you I'd lose my hands to radiation Slick with pixel poison To pluck you out Even only for one Maybe you see my face In a pile of cocaine Brunette with a rum spill Moon pale like I am Cause baby I see your legs Striding through my dreams Nobody walks like you Nobody loves you more than me What I didn't mention Is where I stayed last September And how I sped from that wedding To crash through your door What I didn't mention what we did last December Eyes locked in a mirror Your black and mine on the floor And I would have stayed forever Walls down rented halls and never wrote these songs Stucco ceiling Maybe you'll see my face in a pile of cocaine Slide your runny nose up Cross my disappointment Cause baby I see your legs Starting through my dreams Because nobody walks like you Nobody loves you more than me Wake up and all is forgiven Then I brush my teeth I'm furious again
one's ever sweat their palms for me before. No one ever volunteered to drive halfway, chasing came and following them out my door, cutting them in song to not beg them to stay. I ran through hope like a sneaker stomped ribbon to no cheers, trampled cups. But I had forgiven myself and resigned that if I couldn't know love, I could at least know everything. I thought I had it all figured out. Wonderment in flames, always for the bereft, but I could. For my grandmother's ring, did she see us fall asleep, holding hands last night? Took a minute to tell her with his head in the sink. But yes, I know that's how you slept with your husband till he died. Left hearts in the raindrops on my windshield. I giggled like a cursing kid, bringing joy in from the storm. I had never considered, but I didn't know a lot of things he did. I ran through hope like a sick bed prayer, let it go into the night and bequeath the despair of myself. And resign, but if I couldn't know love, I could at least know everything. I thought I had it all figured out, and a past state of wonder always for the bereft. But I couldn't be happier to be. Crossets in the backyard. It's all I wanted. No flayed fingers on the sparks. Fewer singed eyelashes, fewer migraine plumes. Hope was laughter I had heard from the Something that can stay. I didn't know I could still feel this way. I thought I had it all figured out. And a moment of wonder, always for the bereft. But I couldn't be happier to be.
askance and try to thank you for the mysteries left. Thank you for the mysteries left. All right, everyone, we just heard two songs by my guest, Tara better known as Sweaty Lamar, with two R's at the end. We heard I Have Always Been In Love With You and Mysteries. You can check them both out at sweatylamarmusic.bandcamp.com. Or, of course, on your streaming platform of choice. Now, Tara, you picked some records. We're going to talk about them. All right. So you started with a great songwriter, a funny songwriter, a lot of love her tongue-in-cheek lyricism a lot of the time, but also how serious it can be, too, and straightforward in a really cutting way. Just a huge fan of her lyric writing and how she conveys her thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Courtney Barnett, you selected Nobody Really Cares If You Come if you don't go to the party off of sometimes I sit and think and sometimes I just sit. So tell me a little bit about why you selected this great track. So I, when I was going through your records, I started developing this theory of, you know, liminal songs, songs that instantly yeah. take me to a physical place. And that's, that's this collection because I could have just done song, you know, Honestly, from your list, it's like, oh, my friend's bands are in your collection. I could have done that. Yeah. I could have done a couple of different things. But I decided to do these liminal songs. So the reason I picked that song was I remember exactly where I was when I heard it for the first time, which was at Gravid Water. Gravid Water was this incredible performance piece uh, that they would do at Upright Citizens Brigade in New York every month. And they would get an actor like a professional actor, like I saw Michael Shannon do it once, and an improviser. And the actor would come with a two-person dialogue memorized, and the improviser would have no context, and the actor would be performing their lines, and the improviser would have to respond and figure out the dynamics of, okay, are we two characters in a relationship? Are we siblings? Is this the past? Is this the present? Is this the future? And it's just that it was such an amazing show. And I went so many times and those are some of my favorite, favorite nights out in New York. Uh, and they would play the song at the beginning of every single show. Wow. And so me sitting in the audience, I'd be like, what is this amazing song? And who is this broad who doesn't really care if it rhymes and will yeah. throw 43 words into a line. Like, I love that she starts talking and just keeps talking and yeah. does not stop. And that's me. I relate to that very much. But yeah, I love that Courtney's like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say this. It doesn't have to be this quick, snappy thing. Although the chorus on this song is amazing because it is a one line thing. And she doesn't do a dynamic chorus where you're going into different directions. Uh, yeah, I just, I love her lyricism so much. And the song always totally enchanted me. And so I remember sitting there shazamming it at the beginning of one of those <laughs> wonderful, wonderful shows. And I was like, oh, who is this? Okay. And I'm going to check it out. And I listen to that song all the time. And it always takes me to a really happy part of my life. Beautiful. Those are the best kind of songs. That take you to happy places. Yes. 
Yes, please. And I miss I miss the UCB for that one reason. I just miss going to that show on a Monday night. I'd go into the city on a Monday night after work and just sit there and laugh harder than I've laughed at anything. You selected Always Crashing in the Same Car by David Bowie off of his 1977 album, Glow, recorded in France and Germany, but associated with David Bowie's Berlin era. Yes. So I I just really heard this song for the first time recently. I've listened to the album, but I heard it as its own standalone work for the first time very recently. Uh, In January, I went to a Bowie tribute, and it was all members of Bowie's original band or touring bands, and Gail Ann Dorsey, the great Gail Ann Dorsey, did an acoustic guitar cover of this song, and I sat there, and I was devastated by how beautiful this was and seeing her get emotional because she knew Bowie as a person, not just as the artist that we all know and love. Uh, it was just such a wonderful experience. And I'm so mad that I didn't film it because I would be listening to it every day. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. Uh, and I fell in love with her and her music. I've been listening to her music ever since, like her solo stuff. And it's magnificent. But that was a beautiful night for me. It was, you know, I've been I've been staying inside a lot. So any opportunity I get these days to go out, I will fully take. But it was a spur of the moment thing. Michael C. Hall was singing Bowie songs, uh-huh. you know, because he's just he's this big musical theater geek, and a lot of people don't realize that he he did Lazarus, Bowie's Lazarus, before Bowie died. Yeah, and it was just such a wonderful, magical night of music and people who love music. Uh, and the reason I picked this song in particular was not just because of Gail, but when I turned around, the person that my friend and I were sharing a table with was this like 40 something year old guy who was there with his son and just had tears streaming down his face. Wow. And I was like, this is a beautiful moment. And I was also glad to kind of witness this guy having this moment for himself because it, it felt really special. So that's where that, seeing that album cover, that's where that took me. Next, the undisputed king of New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen, Hungry Heart, off of his epic double album, The River. Yes, this to me, and this may be a controversial take, but this is a Christmas song. Oh, nice. Tell me, tell me why you think that. I've never thought about this as a Christmas song, but I'm interested to hear why you think that. Yeah. My my best friend from high school uh, and I share a couple of artists in common. We don't share a ton of artists in common, but we both love Bruce. We're both from Jersey. 
And we, at some point, we had talked about this song. Maybe he had sent me his Christmas playlist. And I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, like, I know Bruce's Christmas songs. Everybody knows knows Bruce's real Christmas songs. And I was like, why is this one here? And he's like, listen to it. And you hear the bells. When you give yourself a chance to just hear the bells and that percussion, and you're like, oh, yeah, it sounds like snow falling, and it's beautiful. <laughs> um, and he was telling me that growing up, he probably heard it for the first time in the winter because he remembers sitting in a friend's yeah. car, like on the way to school and hearing this as the snow was falling. Uh, and for some reason, my brain has lifted his memory. And now when I hear the song, I instantly think of snow and it takes me to beautiful winters. Also, I mean, I've seen Bruce live twice at this point, And those two concerts were two of the top 10 greatest nights of my life. So any opportunity to shout out Bruce. He's a God amongst men, amongst humans, human beings. I met him. He smells incredibly minty in person. I believe that he's got to smell good. He's, he's got to smell so very good. Good. <laughs> good. good for you, Bruce Springsteen. Smelling smell all good, good and shit. Good. Next, Elliot Smith bled white off of EXO. Another great songwriter really, you know, channels the stripped down intimate nature of songwriting. Yeah. So Elliot, uh, to, you know, to quote Mark Marin, Elliot is one of my guys. If you're going to be like, so who are you guys? Elliot Smith. <laughs> and I was, you know, I mean, as, as many of us were, especially I feel like in Jersey, I was like a suicidal little heathen in high school. Uh, and Elliot Smith, very sincerely, was one of the people who got me through high school, which could have. Yeah. I could have not gotten through high school. Really was a 50-50 on any given day or really where hormones are concerned any given hour. But uh, I remember the first time I heard Bled White, I was sitting in a, I was sitting in my classroom and I guess we were doing a group project. Or we were just dicking around, and I, you know, I had downloaded a couple of Elliot albums onto my iPod because that's how far back we're going onto my wow. iPod. And I heard Blood White, and I was having such a bad, bad day. And that song is just—it's joy, you know. And it's—it's—it's it's, it's seizing joy. It's not just hey, I'm happy. It's, you know, I may not seem quite right, but I'm not fucked, not quite. There is some small hope in the pain. And it just hit me. And that song I think about all the time. I learned how to play it on the guitar. I almost cried when I was, I get very excited when I learn anything on the guitar. Like, please, when I learned a baby bar, I was like jumping around my room. Um, but yeah. When I played that song in the guitar, I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing the dance. <laughs> like, just like losing my mind. Um, yeah, that song is incredibly special to me. And I can close my eyes and picture myself sitting in my Hollister jeans, sitting in, you know, Mr. Slattich's English class, junior year of high school.
Kevin Morby. Oh my God. The title track off of Oh My God. This is a great song. A lot of great like harmonies and stuff on it. It's a cool one. It's an incredible song. I think from second one where you just hear the droning, you are instantly taken not to a place, but to a mood. No matter what your mood is for the day, if you hear that song, you are just in a different space. Uh, it's not the the reason I included this one was it's not the first time that I had heard it, but the second. The first time I heard it is in uh, Mrs. Fletcher, the HBO series with the queen, Catherine Hahn. Uh, and it plays at a yes. gorgeous moment in the show. It's like the, one of the perfect needle drops. Um, and I, I love the song. So I was like, oh, who is that? I'm going to listen to this. And then I didn't really listen to it much. Um, and then I was coming home from probably the greatest date I've ever been on in my life. And I was kind of stunned at what, like, how this date unfolded. It was supposed to be a couple hours, you know, supposed to be a Gilgan's Island three-hour tour. Wound up being nine. Uh, and it, like, rocked me. And as I was, like, leaving to drive home, this song came on shuffle. And it was exactly how I was feeling. Wow. Um, this overwhelming, like... I was like almost moody and angsty over how good the date was. I was like, Oh my God, like my whole life has changed. Uh, <laughs> and so I drove home listening to that, like in a row, I think at one point I stopped to play like some Manchester orchestra from 2013, but otherwise it was just that one song over and over. And every time I hear that song, I think about driving home, like going through the Lincoln tunnel, just thinking what the hell just happened. Who was that guy? What just happened? My life has been blown up to smithereens. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think about, I think about that when I think about that song. Heavy load, oh my lord, oh my god, oh my lord. Carry a glad song wherever I go. Carry a glad song wherever I go. Singing, oh my god. A lot of great memories associated with all of these songs. One that I have for the next song, Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones off of Sticky Fingers, is me just belting the shit out of it at karaoke and everyone being like, why the fuck would you sing this at karaoke? Oh my <laughs> so god, I no, go, I love it. I'll join you next time. I'll do nice. a little like tambourine while you're while you're singing it. I'll do a little tambo. That sounds great. <laughs> But yes, this is a uh, one I like to sing at karaoke because I think it's funny to sing at karaoke. I dig it. I I do weird stuff at karaoke. I just did. I was at a New Year's party and they had you know like they had a TV up and you could just sing whatever you wanted. So I did the, I did Gigantic by Pixies and then I did Snakes of Christ. Yeah, I just just me. At a New Year's party, doing Snakes of Christ by Danzig. Because uh, I was like, when am I going to get to do this? But like, do at 53 in Manhattan. Never. So I took the chance and I did it. So yeah, I'm all for weird karaoke songs. My uh, my parlor trick is that I put on Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. And I, I rap Weird Al's Amish Paradise over it. That's like my Great. karaoke parlor trick. Beautiful. So I love Beautiful. that this is yours. Yes. But tell, tell me a little bit about the memory you have associated with this track. Yes. 
I can, God, I could tell you what I was wearing the night, that, like the night I'm associating with this song, which is crazy. Uh, I went to this crappy, crappy rave in Philadelphia with two friends of mine. It was like an all ages rave. So it was like these 13 year olds with like cookie monster backpacks and you know, guys, just guys in like basketball jerseys trying to grind at you. And you're just like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm not feeling this. I wanted to leave. So I was like, guys, can we get out of here? And then we're leaving, we're walking home. And all of a sudden I have this moment where I realize where I am. And I'm like, I'm by this guy's house. And this was this, this was the guy who is the reason I'm a writer to this day. Like I was involved with him in college. He was the one who told me that I was funny and that I needed to create and I needed to be the one who was making art instead of just supporting it. And I was like, girls, I think we're by his house. I'm going to call him. And I did. And he had just gotten home from something. And it was this very cinematic moment of like, not me running. I didn't need to run, but I, you know, me kind of jogging over, uh, to his place late at night. And we had this like really great evening and I slept over, which was the only time I ever slept over. Uh, and he had the whole record playing while I was there. Oh, wow. uh, And yes. Yeah, so, of course, when I hear that song, I think of that night. And, uh, you know, it, that person was a special person in my life. They they did not stay, and I, I don't think they needed to, but they are very much the reason that I am a creator and an artist now. And every time I do talk to them, I'm like, because of you, because of you. Even if I suck, it's because of you. Take the compliment. So, yeah, an impactful I'm really glad I left that person. Yeah. And an impactful song. It's a, it's a beautiful song. Next, Road to Nowhere by the Talking Heads off of Little Creatures. My favorite song of all time. Wow. Number Big one. statement. Big, Big statement. Favorite. Yes. It's, it, it vacillates. It's either Road to Nowhere or, and again, on the complete opposite side of things, it's True North by the Devin Townsend Project off of Ebby Cloud. I have two favorites, and like, I go back and forth, but. Yeah. I think Road to Nowhere, I would not get like a Devin Townsend tattoo, but I would get a Talking Heads Road to Nowhere tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this song I discovered when I was working at my favorite job that I've ever had. I worked at an IT company in the city. And it was the first time I think in my whole life that I ever felt like I was home. Like I had a family there uh, who I, I'm still very close to. I talk to someone from that company every day, but that job was like the happiest year of my life to this day. And we would just sit, it was like this geek fraternity and we would joke and fart around sometimes literally for those boys all day. And then on Friday night, it'd be like five 30. Someone would whip out a joint or some gummies. And we would put on music and we'd pull up like Super Mario Kart and we would just like have a real happy hour. Like not a typical office happy hour where it's like, oh, it's chips and near beer. No, like 
we had a lot of fun. Uh, and through my boss at that company, you know, he would just play music all day and I shared an office with him and I would like want to be seen as cool and smart because it was my first time being an assistant, which is what I do in my day to day life. Uh, so I would like sneakily Shazam songs sometimes. And I should have known this was the talking heads. Like I knew who they were by this point. But I found this song and I remember the first time I heard it and I was like, this song is a, it's a masterpiece. It's this beautiful cacophony. And it's something that I deploy a lot where the song sounds so positive and buoyant and jubilant, but the lyrics have a different edge to them. Uh, yeah. And I do that all the time. Like people, I don't know, they, they hear my songs and they're like, oh, I was totally not expecting the lyrics to be this tone. Either, you know, the song sounded too happy for these lyrics or the song sounded too sad to be this hopeful. And I really like that, that bait and switch. I like that dichotomy a lot. And I deploy it as often as I can. Uh, and this song feels that way to me and might be the reason I do that. Might be entirely the reason I do that. But uh, if I was ever having a wedding in my life, this is the song I would walk down the aisle to. It is my favorite song. Next, they might be giants. Istanbul off of Flood. Love this band. Great Jersey Association. This was their first major label release. They released all of their early records on Bar None Records based in Hobo, Bar None. New shout, shout out to the great Bar None. I used to intern there. Oh, great label. Glenn Morrow's the best. Mike, I love Glenn and I love Mark and I, I love Bar None and I'm very, very grateful to those guys. They are they are tremendous and they've always been wonderful supporters of me. So, yes, first of all, shout out to them. Second of all, shout out to They Might Be Giants. Yeah. Uh, this song, I have a weird, like, love story with. Um, apart from, and this is neither here nor there, apart from this being the song I lost my virginity to, which we don't need to go into. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I discovered this song when I was a kid. It was on Tiny Tunes. And they literally yes, had a whole cartoon sequence, right? It like as you can picture them on the camel the second you hear this song. Uh, and I loved it as a kid. And then I guess it was one of those lasting childhood memories like we all have, which is why Reddit's tip of my tongue is such a popular subreddit because we're all like, what was that show that I used to watch when I was seven? And it had this thing and this character and this music. And so I'd always wanted to know what this song was because if it stayed in my mind, and I guess I didn't have enough of the lyrics to Google it. And then one day, I was 14, I walked into Mr. Zerberg's World Cultures class at Bergen Tech, and the song was playing. And I just, like, grabbed my chest, and I was like, oh, it's the song! I know it's the song! And I, like, ran up to him, and I was like, what is this song? And he told me, and I was like, oh, wait, okay, I know they might be like." And I had heard of them, and I was so excited. Um, so this song is a very, very happy reunion for me where I had been looking for this song for 
10 years, not 10 years, but close to 10 years where I'd been like, what is it? Why is it stuck in my head? Uh, I've gotten to see They Might Be Giants. They did the song. I was so, so pleased. That was a couple of years ago. And yeah. I can't say. People just liked it better that way. So take me back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople. Why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks. And last but not least, Titus Andronicus, Jersey Boys, in a big city off of their 2020, uh, 2012 album, Local Business. First of all, shout out to my friend Eric Harm, who is putting out, uh, Eric was Titus's drummer, he's putting out a solo album soon, I've heard it. I'm very, very excited, and I would definitely recommend everybody check that out. Um yeah, I got to, this was the last show I ever saw at Maxwell, which is why it needed to be included here, because I'm yeah. in till I die. Uh, Maxwell's was closing. Titus did, I think, three nights at Maxwell's, and my good friend Matthew Kaplan, who uh, is their attorney, was like, yo, you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah, of course. Okay, this sounds like fun. Uh, and I got to see Titus two out of those three nights. And both shows were just incredible. Patrick is a hero of mine. Like, I, I try to have very few heroes, but I I worship Patrick. I think everything he's written is brilliant. And I've met him a couple times, and he, like, remembers who I am. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I just make that big, dumb face. It's like, <laughs> he's like, you know who I am? Okay, like, it's fine. Uh, and I usually manage to pull it together. But, yeah, his, his music is deeply meaningful to me as a New Jerseyan. Uh, yeah, and I got to, like, hang out with them a little bit after the show, and there was this big, like, plywood wall in the basement of Maxwell's where people, I guess different artists that have come through would sign their name, and uh, and my buddy Eric walked me down and was like, you want to sign your name on the wall? And I was like, yeah, that's probably the moment where I signed whatever pact I have with Satan to be a musician. It was probably signing <laughs> that wall in the basement of Maxwell's. So it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be me. This is what ignites the prophecy. Very that's cool, cool that, that you're part of that, that history. history. Yeah, and I just I just saw Titus when they, they did their show in Brooklyn, and it was so wonderful. They did the monitor straight through, and it was just incredible, incredible, incredible. I was so, so glad to be there. They're one of my very, very favorite bands. And... Uh, in my dreams, again, like we were talking about what kind of sounds I would want, like what kind of music I would want to make on stage with a band. That's what I want to make. Yeah. I want to rock out. I want to rock out and like break a knee, jumping into the crowd. Like that's what I would love to do. That's the dream. That is the dream for sure. All right, Tara, thank you so much for speaking with me. Tara, a.k.a. Sweaty Lamar. So before we go, just tell us what's next for you. What do you have planned for the rest of 
2022? Sure, yeah. Um, I have an EP coming out. Uh, but the EP is called A Little Bit Country, A Little Bit Rock and Roll, and Country, yes, is spelled C-U-S-E. Yes, the dirty word. Because I'm trash. Yeah, there's a song that uses that word. And I have already told my family, like, I will be sending you the clean version. Do not listen to the other version and do not tell my mother that the dirty version exists. <laughs> From there, I am probably going to take three months where I like fuck off to the Jersey Shore and try to complete my novel because it really, really deserves to be finished. I'm very proud of it. And I'm, you know, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to get it done and, and figure out the best way to share it with people who want to read it. And then I will be working on more songs. You know, I, I never have to sit and go, okay, I'm writing a new album right now. I have to sit there and look at my Google Docs and say, okay, these eight tracks make sense. So the rest of my year will be figuring out which eight tracks make sense to bring together. Very, very cool. Tara, thank you so much for speaking with me. Of course. Before we go, we're going to play one more song. It's Sweaty Lamar's latest single, Abby, I'm Sorry I Stole Your Man. He said you were crazy. Didn't realize the mania was his own making. Smoking mirrors he can't pass without a glance. Abby, I'm sorry I stole your man. You said you were obsessed When we saw you open up the clues you could get Our happiness was lost and leave us be It didn't work with you, but it worked with me But now I understand Happy I'm sorry I stole your man He said you called him a hothead Kept it close to the best except in bed Then the lava ran and I'm centred with his friend Abby, I'm sorry I stole your man Someone else rolled out that hot cocoa bed 
to hell He didn't hate me I'd say we slashed the tires on his back I'd be sorry I stole your man.